Thanks for being here. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our services. Let's also give it up for our God Behind Bars guys real quick. We love you guys. Grateful for you. I'm excited to be starting, well, I say starting a series, I'm excited to be in the second installment of our series, Be Worth Following. Hey, first of all, happy Cinco de Mayo. You guys excited about that? I mean, that's like a big thing. I know you're going to all go have Mexican food after this. I understand that. But I don't need a holiday that Mexican food. I'll do it any day. I mean, that's just that's an everyday occurrence for me. Glad you guys are here again. Thanks for joining us. And uh, let's say our mission statement together as a church. What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. So thanks again for being here. Pull out your notes if you want. I want to give you some things to write down as we continue the series. We're talking about Joseph and how he became a leader that God used in a powerful way. And God wants you to become a leader as well. You know, we're all about how many followers we have on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and all that. But the truth is, is that do you have followers in your real life, in your job, in your family? Are you a leader? Are you leading in your community, leading in your church? And so God wants you and I to develop our leadership. And so Joseph does just that. And so last week we talked about how Joseph went through all these heartaches and difficulties and how that was part of the process of becoming a leader. And today we're going to talk about what did Joseph do when he had his big opportunity. Heard about a guy named Bob. He was excited. He went into his boss's office and said, hey, boss, I need to let you know. I know the economy is kind of crazy right now. But I just, I felt like you should know, you know, I'm kind of in demand. There's three different companies that are after me right now. I felt like you should know that in case you want to maybe like offer me a raise or something. And he was like, oh, wow, I, I, I had no idea that you were in such demand. And so let me think about it. So he brings it back in his office a few minutes later. He says, yeah, you know, I didn't realize you had three companies after you. So if that's the case, you know, we need you here. So I want to give you a 5% raise starting today. He was like, oh, boss, I appreciate you understanding. That's great. Thanks so much. Shakes his hand, gets up to walk out. The boss says, hey, real quick, before you leave, what were the companies that are after you? He said, no, that's the water company, the electric company, and the phone company. So <laughs> today I want to talk about how you can actually become a leader. What does it take to begin to lead others? What does it really look like? Well, it may surprise you that leadership doesn't start off like you think. We kind of imagine this like great position that all these people are respecting us and showing honor towards us. And we've got this great team of people that are all working in concert with us to accomplish something great. We think that's how leadership works, right? Not even close. Leadership never starts off like that. It's never that pretty. I mean, that sounds amazing. That would be like a great video to make that we'd all aspire to, but that's not what real leadership looks like. Real leadership is a messy thing. It's a messy deal. Not everyone buys, on, buys in with your vision and what you want to do. Not everyone's going to even like you when you show up. And so what does real leadership look like? Well, how do you take that leadership opportunity when it comes your way? Well, keep in mind, Joseph, he gets betrayed by his brothers. He's thrown into slavery. He, he, he actually starts doing a good job, even though he was treated wrong. Then he gets accused of rape, falsely accused of rape. Now he's thrown in prison. And now he's in prison in the country. He doesn't know anyone, doesn't know the language, doesn't know any of that. And he just, again, just uses his gifts and starts organizing the prison, just like he organized Potiphar's home. And now he's organized the prison. And then a couple guys come in the home, I mean, excuse me, in the prison, and they have some dreams. Joseph's happened to have a couple dreams of his own. So he says, tell me your dreams. Maybe I can interpret them. He interprets them correctly. Then a few years after that, the king has a dream. He actually has two. And he doesn't know what they mean. He, called his, he calls in his advisors and magicians and astrologers, whoever. And he says, what does this mean? And they're like, we have no idea, right? So he's like, man, I wish someone could help me out. He had a problem he couldn't solve. And finally, his cupbearer says, you know what? I just now remember there's a guy in your prison right now that specializes in interpreting dreams. He's like, you're kidding me. He goes, no, I'm serious. Pharaoh, he, he interpreted dreams that I had that I would be reinstated to this position. And sure enough, you did that. And you, you remember the guy that, that you had impaled that you killed? Yeah, thanks for not doing that to me, Pharaoh. Yeah, well, he, um, he dreamed that. And, and Joseph, Joseph, he interpreted that dream correctly too. That, and that's exactly what happened. He's like, you're kidding me. I want to see this guy. 
So now Joseph gets called up in front of the king, right? So before he comes up, he's smart. He's like, oh, no, no, I'm not gonna go up there yet. I wanna get cleaned up. Let me get a quick shower, change of clothes. Let me, can I borrow a razor? So he shaves off his beard and shaves his head completely, right? He goes, you know, like full Mr. Clean, right? Because he wants to appear like an Egyptian before he goes before the Egyptian Pharaoh. So he gets up there and then he says, I hear you have a problem, how can I help? Pharaoh says, well, I had these two dreams and I heard you can interpret dreams. And he says, well, I can't, but my God can. Please tell me your dream, Pharaoh. Now look what happens in scripture, check this out. So Pharaoh told Joseph his dream. In my dream, I saw seven fat, healthy cows and then seven scrawny cows ate the seven fat cows. In my second dream, I also saw seven heads of grain, full, of, full and beautiful, and seven shriveled heads swallowed the seven healthy heads of grain. Joseph responded, both of Pharaoh's dreams mean the same thing. The seven healthy cows and the seven healthy uh, heads of grain both represent seven years of prosperity. The seven thin scrawny cows that came up later in the, in the seven thin heads of grain represent seven years of famine. The seven years uh, will be a period of great prosperity, but afterwards there will be seven years of famine. As for having two similar dreams, he says it means that these events have been decreed by God and he will soon make them happen. So he says, hey, I know, you know we're about to enter uh, just like boomtown. We're about to have seven years of great prosperity. But how many of you guys know that the economies have a cycle? Right? So which cycle are we in right now? Just curious if anyone knows this. Anybody know? Booming. We're actually booming. I know you don't know because you're watching the wrong news channels then. But the truth is, oh, I could go off on that. Anyways, but it's actually, the numbers don't lie. I mean, you can say what you want about whoever's leading, but the numbers don't lie. We actually are in a boom. And so the economy is exploding right now. Oil is free flowing, thank God, in South Texas, right? I mean, so good things are happening, right? But how long does that last? We don't know how long, but we know it doesn't last. In other words, like there's gonna be a cycle. The good news is it's gonna cycle back around again, right? So he says, hey, you're about to have a season that's way up, but then the cycle down is gonna be so bad, Pharaoh, you better prepare for it. So he's like, whoa. So the first thing that happens is Pharaoh thinks his problem is that he doesn't know what his dreams mean. That's what he thinks his problem is. I'm not sleeping at night, good, I had these two weird dreams, I don't know what they mean. So he thinks his problem is about dreams. Then Joseph says, please tell me your dreams. He hears the dreams and he says, you think your problem is your dreams. It's not, your problem is your economy. Your problem is what's about to happen to your nation. And so basically it's a warning from God. It also says here that he had two dreams. I find it interesting he had two because didn't Joseph also have two dreams? And then didn't he get in prison two times? And didn't he interpret two other people's dreams? And then of course at the end, doesn't he save two nations, Egypt and the people of Israel? Something about twos. See, I believe that the reason there's two there is because when he says, hey, the reason you had two dreams, Pharaoh, mean the same thing, is that's God telling you this is gonna happen. And I believe in the same way that God speaks to you and I in stereo, multiple channels, multiple speakers. I'll never forget the day that my wife came up to me after a sermon I'd preached and she said, hey, you know the sermon you just preached? I was like, yes. She says, well, you said that if you have the dream and the means that that's God's go ahead to do it. And I was like, okay, I don't like where this is going. You're using my sermon against me. What are we about to tell? And then she says, I have a dream of adopting a little girl from Russia. And I was like, oh, no way. And I never, it never entered my mind adoption, right? And so she says, would you just, would you just pray about it? And I was like, yeah, I will. Absolutely, I'll pray about it. And so I prayed about it. And it's like the next week and for about a month straight, it's like every verse in the Bible was about adoption. I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't know there's a, and for God adopted you into his family. I mean, it was just like, you know, true religion is taking care of widows and orphans. I was like, are you kidding me? I didn't know all the scriptures there. It was like, it popped off the page. Why? God was speaking to me in stereo, first from my beautiful wife and also from his word. God speaks to you in stereo. Maybe someone today is gonna hear something that I say that matches what you already read this week. That's God speaking to you. He's saying, I decree this, it's about to happen. Or maybe God's giving you a second warning. He's trying to say, you better stop this, it's gonna hurt you. 
He could be warning you like he warned Pharaoh. Hey, Pharaoh, I know you're living large and high in the hog right now, but it doesn't stay like that. So you think you're all protected, but you're not. The economy can jack that up. So God was warning him, right? So sometimes God speaks to us in twos. But what does, what does Joseph do? What, what does he do that, that, that's so powerful? Well, what he does is really simple. Would you write this down? The first thing leaders have to learn to do is they have to learn to define the problem. You have to learn to define the problem that you're facing. Now, here's what I mean by that. He thought he had a problem with dreams, but he really had an economy problem. See, right now at work, you're probably thinking, man, we have a problem, we're not selling enough product. But if you're not selling enough product, the problem is not that you're not selling enough. The problem is the product's priced wrong or the product's maybe not satisfying people or maybe customer service is bad. I'm not sure what it is, but the product is not like a customer's. So we think that's what it is. Oh, oh, there's just a problem. I just can't find the right man or woman in my life. No, the problem is there's something about you right now and this is going to hurt that's not attracting the right man or the right woman. Ouch. I know that hurt a little bit, but we have to take a look at what the real problem is because it may surprise you. I have a problem with my grades. You don't have a problem with your grades. You have a problem because you can go to class or you didn't study enough, right? You didn't, you didn't read a chapter ahead of time. What, in other words, oftentimes we think the problem is this, but it, it, it's really something totally different. So what's, what's the real problem? And so we have to be able to define the actual problem and know what it is. But also, let me tell you something else about problems. This is why we don't recognize the opportunities that come our way, because every opportunity to become a leader is wrapped up in a problem. You see, the truth is, is that Joseph never would have been called up from the prison if someone would have just answered the king's dream. If someone else knew what it was, it wouldn't be a problem. See, see if you're dreaming of becoming a leader, you got to find a place that needs leadership. So right now, if you're dreaming of becoming the Alabama University uh, head coach, good luck with that. I think that job's taken. And I'm pretty sure that'll be taken for quite a while. Wow, they're winning. They're not gonna be turning that over. If you wanna become the, the coach of Alabama, you better hope they go 0 and 9. And you better have a resume that matches to be able to come in. In other words, the point is, is that we dream of having this leadership position that looks so great. No, 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 you walk into leadership when you walk into a mess, then you make it great. That's what leadership does. Well, it's easy for you to say that with this big old church building and all the staff. And, but we think we started with this. We started with nothing. This was a field. In fact, when we bought the land, people told us, you're crazy. There's nothing out there. No one's going out that direction. That was 10 years before we started to see development in this area of our town. You have to see it before it's reality. Leaders lead. They get in front of what's happening. And then God begins to do something. When the wave of growth comes, you're there. So you have to get in front of it. The truth is, is that leadership always requires a mess. I, I listen, this is gonna sound really offensive. I'm just gonna tell you something. This happened for Joseph. It happened to me many times. It'll happen to you too. And here's the truth. If you want your shot, you gotta be willing to take the thing no one wants. I remember the first camp I ever spoke at. I was like, this is so cool. It's a camp. I thought that was so great. I used to do like the whole speak at youth camps, all, all that kind of stuff. I used to do youth ministry before I was demoted to the pastorate. And I remember... Uh, I would go to these camps, but all the camp opportunities I got were because some camp speaker backed out. And they were like, oh man, we're desperate. Call that one kid, you know, and then I got my chance. And so every camp, every retreat, it was like, well, so-and-so couldn't show up, so then they, we're calling you. I mean, you know, and you know, I could either sit there and be butthurt about that or realize this is an opportunity. So I just started going in and realizing, man, I'm just like, whenever, when no one wants that camp, I'll take it. And then guess what? It started to build something for me to, to, to have a platform. In other words, leadership means you go where someone else doesn't want to go. You take the job no one else wants, and then you make the job desirable by what you turn it into. That's leadership. So he shows up. He doesn't show up because things are going good. He shows up because all his magicians and astrologers and supposed wise men are a bunch of idiots and have no idea what his dream means. So he shows up because there's a problem. 
And so, and he brings a solution to the problem. Look at Genesis chapter 41, it says this. Therefore, Pharaoh, this is what he says. So basically you're about to have an economy problem. You got seven years of, 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 of uh, good coming, like the economy's gonna be booming, then seven years of everything falling apart, right? So then he gives them this amazing advice. He says, therefore, Pharaoh should find an intelligent and wise man and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land and let them collect one fifth of all the crops during the seven good years. Have them gather all the food produced in the good years that are just ahead and bring it to Pharaoh's storehouses. Store it away and guard it. That way there will be enough to eat when the seven years of famine come to the land of Egypt. It's brilliant. It's brilliant, but can I tell you something else about it? It's also simple. This is actually not that complicated. It's like save 20% of everything you earn and in seven years, you're gonna be really doing well. And then when everyone, you know, the, the economy falls out and everyone's broke, you'll have food. Why? Because you stored it up. And so this is important principle, number, th- number two. This is what Joseph does different than most people. And this is why he became the leader. And here it is, number two, bring a solution to the problem. Don't just tell me this division of our department or, or, or our division of, of the company, uh, it just, hey, it sucks. It's no good. It's terrible. Yeah, they're just they're doing bad. Oh, yeah, sales are down. Thanks. I appreciate you letting me know that because I can't look at a graph. If you can just define the problem, great. But if you can bring a solution, you can become the leader. You see, leadership requires you bring answers. If you're panicking all the time, oh, I don't want to do that. You're just screaming. I'm not a leader. Don't look to me. But if you're the one who says, okay, right, calm down. Let's make a plan. You just became the leader. If you can learn to bring a solution to the problem. So he brings a simple solution. Hey, things are about to get tight. Save up money. Why? Because when the economy goes bad, not only, not only will you be able to, I mean, here, here's the point. You know, hey, the stock market's about to drop out, right? Why? Because it's so hot right now. You think it stays that hot? No, it doesn't stay that hot. The question is how long? Do we have two years, five years, eight years? We don't know, but we know it's not gonna stay that hot. Start storing up some cash. Why? Because when there's a sale in the stock market, which means everything drops to the bottom and everyone's running for the hills saying, oh, it's horrible. Get your money out, get your money out. You can buy stock cheap. You gotta be a contrarian, right? I can talk on that all day, I won't, but let me just say this. Deuteronomy 28 says something really powerful that Joseph is, is bringing, <clears throat> excuse me, bringing wisdom. Why would Joseph know this? Why would Joseph naturally know this principle to tell the Pharaoh? Because he's a good Jewish boy. And every good Jewish person I know is a saver. <laughs> Try to hold back the Jewish jokes from your mind right now, but I'm really not trying to be insulting. I mean, you know, I kid around with my Jewish friends as much as anyone, but I'll tell you this. The truth is they're brilliant economically, business-wise. I mean, many of them, I know I'm speaking a broad stroke stereotype, but I mean this in a really good way. There are some geniuses and they learned it from their parents because their parents are savers. You know why they save so much money? Because banks wouldn't lend to them for forever. Why? Just because they're Jewish. They were racist against them. So it's like, if we're gonna get a loan, we gotta loan to each other. So they would loan to one another and then open businesses and those businesses would thrive and they would support one another. Couldn't we learn a lot from that kind of community? To support one another, to lend to one another, to help one another out? What a brilliant idea. It's almost like God's people know what they're doing. And so that's what he said, oh yeah, this is not hard at all. You can start saving. So you have something when hard times come. What does this mean for you and me? Deuteronomy 28, eight says this, the Lord will command the blessing on you in your barns and in all that you undertake. And he will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Now this is important. Please write this down. Attack your lack of money with a rigorous savings plan. Now, right now you're like, well, I thought I was gonna become a leader. Why are you talking about that? Because if you can't lead yourself financially, how are you gonna lead anybody else? I'm just telling you that right now. And so, in fact, by the way, how you handle your own household finances is a good indication of how you're gonna handle uh, work finances. Did you know that? I've just noticed that every guy I know personally, uh, or, or lady, that, that how, they, how their personal finances look is how their business finances look, because it's who they are. 
<laughs> I've just seen this time and again. So if you're a saver at home, you're probably a saver at work. If you're a spendthrift at home, you're probably a spendthrift at, at work. Just, this is kind of how that works. And so there's a great biblical principle here that we need to learn to save. And this may sound funny to you, but why is saving such a big deal to Joseph? It was who he was. You know, the name Joseph literally means increase. So you say, well, I don't make that much money. It's actually not about the amount of money you make. You can still save from what you have. You say, I only make 10 bucks an hour. It's okay. Next year, one year from now, there should be a savings that's there because you started putting something away. I don't care if it's a small amount, just put something aside. But let me tell you what this principle says. God says, I will command a blessing on your barns. Now, you and I probably don't have barns because we don't live in an agrarian culture, right? I don't, I don't live on a farm. So, but what that's saying is have a place to store up stuff. So in other words, God will bless you if you'll open a barn. So here's my challenge to you. Open the savings account this week and start setting some money aside systematically from your paycheck every single time you get paid. You say, man, I mean, I came to get a good message. And that's what you're telling me? Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. You know why? Because that's what God's word says, number one. Number two, because God will not bless the savings account you don't fill. God will not bless the book you don't write. God will not bless the investments you don't make. God will not bless the real estate you never purchase. God doesn't bless good intentions. He blesses your action. You gotta do something. Give God something to bless. And this may seem really simple to you, but how many of us honestly have seen good deals that we couldn't afford? They're like, oh, Man, they're, they're, they're just dumping that house. I'm, oh, I wish I had a down payment, but you don't have it. You know what? Next time, two years from now, three years from now, let's make sure you have something so when the good deal comes along, you can pounce on it. So you're ready for it. Because every time God advances his people, it's always in a recession. Look at the scripture on that sometime. Always. God advances Joseph through a recession. Not through good times, through bad times. Because leaders rise to the top when everything else is falling apart. That's when you show that you're a real leader. Bring a solution to the problem. Can I tell you something else about this real quick? You were created to solve an existing problem. Everything God created was meant to solve a problem. Did you know that? Everything was. And so you were created to solve a problem too. There's something about you. There's a gift that you have that you can solve someone else's problems. And if you'll begin to solve other people's problems, you'll find your purpose in it. For example, mechanics solve car problems. Lawyers solve legal problems, right? Pastors solve spiritual problems. Mothers solve emotional problems. Mothers solve all problems. I think they can just cover it all. I mean, I'm telling you, they're, they're amazing, aren't they? Hey, next week is Mother's Day, by the way. Be here. Let's pack this place out. Let's bring our moms and celebrate our moms. Can we do that? Aren't we grateful for moms? Be sure to be here. Don't miss Mother's Day. It's going to be great. I've got a great word for you moms. I want to encourage you. Be sure to be here. Bring your mom. We want to celebrate her. And uh, bring your mom, bring all the moms in your family, your sisters, if they're mothers. Um, I'm bringing them anyways if they're not. But of course, we want to honor mom, grandma, and the whole thing. It's going to be great. So don't, don't miss that, that opportunity. But let me tell you something else about this. If you really want to grow your, your, your demand uh, in your career or grow your influence in your business, or you want to grow your actual business or even your ministry, here's a real key. If you'll build your ministry or your business or your organization around meeting a person's need, it'll grow much faster. So people don't want to buy what they don't need. But if you'll sell something people need, you'll always have a customer. And so just make sure you're meeting people's needs. I could go on, off, go off on that all day. I won't. But he brought a solution to the king. That's the only reason why the king wanted to hear from a prisoner that day. Why? Because he's like, hey, I heard this guy can help me out. Help me out. And so he did. And he gave him a great solution. Immediately the king was impressed. Look what happens next. Genesis 41, 37. Joseph's suggestion 
suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you. You will be in charge of my court and all my people will take orders from you. Only I sitting on my throne will have a rank higher than yours. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. You wanna talk about a raise? <laughs> talk about promotion? He goes from being in prison to being the COO, the chief operating officer of Egypt in one day. And I wanna say this real quick. When God wants to promote you, no man can stand in his way when he wants to do what he wants to do with you. Unbelievable. So he elevates them all the way to the top. So apparently Pharaoh looked around at his whole staff and was like, yeah, I don't have anybody that can really do this. So he says, you, come here. This guy, and he goes, hey guys, this is Joseph. He's now your boss. Put him over everyone. Wow, that is crazy that he would even, even do that. It goes on to say, then Pharaoh removed his signet ring, more on that in a minute, from his hand and placed it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in fine linen clothing and hung a gold chain around his neck. So he got his Travis Scott starter kit on, right? <laughs> Isn't it funny how we're all about that bling? Like it says, oh yeah, he's got new linen clothes. He's got some really fine linen clothes. That's all the Egyptians wore. You look at all the pictures of hieroglyphic pictures of Egyptians are always in this white out, right? It's linen, that's what they wore. That was like, that was the style. That was what was cool, right? And so he was like, yeah, let's, let's, let's make you look like an Egyptian. This is really important. First of all, he didn't get the bling until he solved the problem. Let me say that again, catch the order there. Solve the problem for your boss before you get the promotion from your boss. Solve the problem for your organization before you expect to get the money from the organization. You gotta solve the problem for it. And if you're not making them up much money, you're not solving very many problems. More problems you solve, more you'll make. That's how that works. And so check this out. Then he had Joseph ride in his chariot reserved for his second in command. So he didn't have Egypt one, he had Egypt two, right? So instead of Air Force one, right? He had, he had uh, Egypt too. So he, he got to ride in that chariot. It says, wherever jo Joseph went, the command was shouted, kneel down. Wasn't that Joseph's dream? that people would kneel down to his work. So he's starting to see the dream fulfilled. Kneel down. So Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all of Egypt. And Pharaoh said to him, I am Pharaoh, but no one will lift a hand or foot in the entire land of Egypt without your approval. So he's like, I'm still the boss, but you're the man. And you're, I'm over you, but you're, you're over everyone else, right? Then he says, and Pharaoh gave Joseph a new Egyptian name, Zephanath Paneah. He also gave him a wife whose name was Asenath. She was the daughter of Potiphar. That's not Potiphar, don't confuse those. It's Potiphar, it's just an Egyptian name, popular name. The priest of On, that, that, that by the way, um, his wife that, that he was given, there's a reason behind that. Um, it says, so Joseph took charge of the entire land of Egypt. He was 30 years old when he began serving in the court of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Okay, I, I wanna talk to the young men in the room real quick. Can I do that? Especially the young single men. Listen, listen, listen. Before, if you'll do this, this will solve your, your relationship problems, okay? Did you know that 40% of our church is single? I don't know if you're aware of that. We have more singles than any club in town. At Church Unlimited, okay? So if you're going to the club to meet the singles, you're going to the wrong place. You come to Church Unlimited, it's ladies' night, Church Unlimited. Mm, 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 mm. This is the place to be. Okay, so this is important. Young men, if you will focus your time on solving the king's problems, if you'll focus your time on honoring the king, the king will bring you a wife. Get off of that altogether. I'm gonna use my, my gifts. If you'll do that, he will bring you a wife. Now, a couple other things here I just want to point out. First of all, he gave him a certain amount of clothing. He's like, here's your clothing budget, right? I want you to wear this. I want you to wear that. Wear this necklace. He gives us a whole deal. Why is that? He needs to look Egyptian. This is very important because I know some of young people, they want to stand out. I'm a leader, man. I'm going to show up. I'm going to run things. I'm going to turn this whole place around. I'm telling him to be a leader. And you walk in with that attitude and no one wants to follow you. 
They're all like, who's this? Oh, you think you're the man? You think you should waltz in here? Oh yeah, you're what? No. So what does he do? This may surprise you, but you know how you get to stand out? By first fitting in. So he says, we need you to look like an Egyptian. We're gonna marry you off to an Egyptian family that's very famous. So you're gonna marry Potiphar's daughter, okay? That, that meant, name meant something. Uh, Potiphar was, was, uh, was a big deal. So he, it says that his daughter's name, uh, her daughter's name was Asenath. Asenath basically means uh, that I am from the sun god Ra, okay? They all worship Ra there. They had this false god they all worship, right? And so they married him into a prominent Egyptian family. Why? Because no one wants to listen to this guy from Israel, where's Israel? We know where that is. Who is this guy? And they're like, oh, he married Asenath. They're like, oh, oh, okay. Oh, that's Asenath's husband. So he married into the culture. So that way he could connect with people. So it's like, look, if people are gonna take you serious, you need to look like us, dress like us, marry into the culture, act like us, or they're not gonna take you serious. So believe it or not, the way that you, the way that you stand out is not by standing out clothing-wise. I mean, this is gonna sound funny, but if your boss wears a sports coat, you should be wearing a sports coat. You may think, oh, that's so lame. Well, th then be lame, unless you don't wanna work there. I mean, you can, you can stand out and say, yeah, I dress different, I look, give me in, I look how different I look. And no one, they're like, yeah, you're not one of us. So why am I gonna follow you when I know you're not gonna be around? So I know this, this is frustrating to some people because they're like, but I like to be me and, and leave my stamp of uniqueness and this and that. That's great, but you're not gonna lead because leaders have the respect of the culture they're in. So you have to first connect with the culture you're in. And when you do that, then the way you actually lead is not by looking different, talking different. It's by being different, by serving other people. That's what leadership looks like. It doesn't look different in your clothing. We think leadership is just having a standout Instagram account. That's not leadership. That's ridiculous. That's just a heavy doses of narcissism. Instead, God wants you and I to learn, if we'll learn to blend, connect with people, relate with people, then if I'll respect you, you'll let me lead you. But if I don't respect you and your culture and understand where you're coming from, then how can I lead you? So you first have to fit in before you get to lead. So just remember that when you walk into the organization, well, they don't know how to run things right. I'm gonna let them know, they're not gonna listen. So you can let them know all you want. They're not gonna, you can maybe let them know right out the door. So you just need to know that doesn't really lead. And so he's like, I need you to look sound and act like you're Egyptian if you're gonna run into Egypt for me. And so that's exactly what he did. Can I point something else out about this? He was 17 when he got the dream and he was 30 when he finally started to see it happen. Let's have some patience. It takes time for your dreams to be fulfilled. 13 years for him. Once again, an overnight success is about 10 years or more. Just keep that in mind. It's not gonna happen overnight. It takes a long time. You gotta put in the time, connect with people, relate with people. And if you'll do that, then you'll begin to see those results. And if you're not seeing results as a leader, if you're frustrated, going, why am I not leading it? Why am I not leading? Oh, I can answer that. The Bible answers that for you. In Psalms 105, David refers back to Joseph. And this is what he says. He says this in Psalm 105, 19. Joseph remained a slave until his own words had come true and the Lord had finished testing him. Oh, so the reason we're not in leadership yet is because we keep failing the simple test God keeps putting in front of us. God's like, oh, you wanna be a leader, but you won't even show up to work on time? You gotta pass the test of being prompt. You wanna be a leader, but you're rude to people? You gotta pass the test of controlling your and disciplining your personality to be nice to everyone. You got someone that works next to you that's a pain in the butt? How many of us have that, right? Please don't raise your hand. You may be, they may be coming to church with you. <laughs> But it's so common, right? You're like, oh, I just, I hate my job because I got to work with this person who's driving me crazy. They're so rude. You walk into the break room, they're all talking. And when you walk in, they get quiet. You're like, oh, great. What's that about, right? 
you know, they're rude to you or, you know, they, they just betray you. They just leave you hanging. Yeah, they just, they make you look bad in front of the boss. People like that where you're like, are you kidding me? I have to work with someone like this. Everyone though has someone like that in their life. Let's just give them a name. Let's just say their name is Jane Doe, right? I need to tell you something right now. Before you move companies thinking, well, I'll be a leader somewhere else because I have to deal with this difficult person in this company. I need to tell you something right now. I want to save you some time. Jane Doe is in every company. She's everywhere. <laughs> difficult people are everywhere. So if you don't stay put and learn to work with them, you can't lead them. Leadership means learning to thrive in very dysfunctional situations. And if you can thrive in that, you can thrive in anything. And so that's okay. If you can thrive with Potiphar, who's crazy, and Potiphar's wife, who's even crazier, if you can thrive in a prison, and Joseph, you can certainly thrive running Egypt. I mean, if you can thrive when you don't even have personal freedoms and you can still thrive, then we put you in charge. You'll dominate. And that's exactly what happened. Last thing I want to leave you with this is uh, number three, treat whatever position you were given as if the king put a signet ring on your finger. I'm going to tell you what that means. A signet ring, what the king took his ring off, says, come here, Joseph, pulls his ring off, says, come here, put it on your finger, puts it on his finger, says, okay, now I hereby put him in charge. He's under me, but he's in charge, right? And so what would that mean? Carrying that ring around meant something because it had the signet. Signet means signature. So it had the king's signature on. So he would say, scribe, come here. Okay, until so he'd pull over his assistant. Hey, write this up. From now on, I need people to take the grain to this storehouse and this and that. Okay, well, why are they gonna do it? Come here, well, let me grab the clay, put it on the bottom of the parchment. Parchment was the thicker paper. It wasn't like the paper we have. It was a little thicker. So then he would take it, put it flat and get a little bit of uh, clay and put it at the very end of it. And he'd press his ring right into it pull his ring up and it would dry and there was an indelible signature from the king on that letter that carried authority. Let me tell you something. If you want to be a leader, listen, listen. You can ignore this if you want. If you ignore it, you will not be a leader. I'm just telling you straight up. It's not because I'm so right, it's because his word's so right. Now listen, I'm trying to help you, but you're not gonna like what I'm gonna say next. But if you will swallow this pill, you become a great leader. Here it is. Treat everything you own, every opportunity you have, Every relationship you're in, whether it be a team member, spouse, child, friend, coworker, whether it be your car, your home, your apartment, your clothing, whatever it is that you own and have access to, as if all of it has the king's signet ring on it. None of it's yours, Joseph. It's all the king's. If you'll do that, God can use you to be a great leader. You know, one of the things I realized about this church, when you look at this church, you see a big church building. Oh, look at the big old building. I don't look at that way. I look at a big responsibility. I don't look at the sign. You look at the sign. You go, oh, look at that big old expensive sign out there. That's not what I look. I'm like, that sign costs money. We invested in that. Is that being used well to bring people in? When I look at this building, I don't see all the great things about it, even though it's nice and I love all that. I see responsibility attached to it. You see a nice building needs to be air conditioned. I see an air conditioned bill every single month that's $25,000 or more. That's what I see. You see a youth room and a youth group. I see people that I've hired that are supposed to bring me results that kids are being saved and lives are being changed. And if I don't see that, I will fire their butts and replace them. I kid you not. Because I am spending your tithe and I got a signet ring on my hand and I need to do something with the church that God gave me and expand it because I'm trying to take as many people to heaven as I can before I die, period. I got a ring on my finger. I got to do my job. And if you'll begin to function with a signet ring from God himself on your finger, all that I have is God's. These kids are not mine. The Bible says in Psalms 127, children are a gift from God. 
Thank you, God, for this child. I noticed the signet ring on their finger. That is a gift from you. I want to honor you with that gift. I want to honor you in my, with my marriage. See, she, my wife is a gift from God. This church, this ministry, God, I don't deserve this platform. This is a gift from you. If you'll treat things like that, get your eyes off yourself. We are only stewards. We're only managers of all God's given us. That God can do great things through you and I. Would you bow your heads with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. The name that the Egyptian king gave Joseph, Zephaniah, Penea, actually means savior of the world. You're the Jesus in your story. So, well, but I need a Jesus. Yep, you do. Then you take that Jesus that you receive and you carry him to others. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you can receive him right now by praying a very simple prayer. It's not meant to be complicated because it's not. It's simple faith. Jesus said, just like a child comes to me, come to me just like a child and just say, Jesus, I love you. I want you in my life. That's it. It's not complicated. You can pray this prayer with me and you can receive Jesus Christ as your Savior right now. Just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you paid the price for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray. Amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.